This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Rosa. Welcome back to the podcast. This episode is with Eden Tool. She is a Dharma teacher, shamanic practitioner, a Buddhist, and a writer. And she came to share her wisdom on endarkment and darkness. She believes that the the word darkness is deeply misunderstood. Yet when we connect with darkness, we connect to a place of rest and restoration. And it offers powerful medicine, peace and strength. She will be sharing with you just wisdom on how you can connect with the darkness, how to shift your perspective from enlightenment, and to be able to hold both, to be able to hold and honor the pain or the darkness of the world, and at the same time, be able to hold the dreams and the possibilities. And she believes that all of this lies in that process of endarkment. And I am just so excited for you to listen to this conversation. I know you will get so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and I'm, I hope it inspires your healing journey. If you find this episode helpful and healing, please share it on your social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when a new episode drops. And I would really, really appreciate if you leave me a review on Apple Podcast. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, I am at Rosa Shetty on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. So make sure you follow me there. I also want to let you all know or remind you that I host a virtual community for women. This community meets once a month, and it is an opportunity for us to meet in real time to talk about healing topics. We've had talked about inner child, healing the mother wound, and we've talked about yoga and trauma. It is uh, an opportunity, like I said, to hear your stories, to get to know you, the listener, and it's been such a treat to be able to connect with some of you in a much deeper way. It is $10 a month. You get access to all the past content and you can sign up for one month. You can sign up for three or as long as you need to. Uh, again, this is a a healing circle and we meet once a month and we just learn together, heal together in community, in sisterhood. And we are ready to start with our episode. I want to give a brief disclaimer that this podcast episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, help me welcome Eden Toll. 
Welcome, Eden, to the podcast. I'm happy to be here with you, Rosa. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on and for just your willingness to share your wisdom with us today. And be curious where our conversation goes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where you never know. I, I'm always open to, you know, to just talk about whatever comes up, right? And I know you have your book and I definitely want to talk about your book. And it was for me, just want to let you know, I read your book and it was such a eye-opening experience because I had not seen, you know, the, 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 the or read about or learned about darkness and the way you presented it. So I'm, it was just fascinating to read your perspective on that. And I'm just so excited to have you share, share with us about that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's a unique topic uh, to choose to write a book about darkness, but not just darkness, luminous darkness, to hmm. invite people to consider a really different way of perceiving darkness because it's such a part of our life. So I know we'll get into that, but I'll let you get us started wherever you want to. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And, you know, to get started, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the healing work that you do? Sure. I'm a meditation and engaged Dharma teacher. Engaged Buddhism means that we are connecting our personal awakening with collective awakening. And for me, reawakening to relational intelligence is a big piece of that, but that we're acknowledging both our collective healing that needs to occur and our part in it as individuals and how much each of us on our own healing path with whatever life has given us to work with and to heal through um, how we do this both on behalf of our collective and supported by our collective rather than the idea of isolated mm. awakening. So that's one thing I would say. And I could share that I'm here where I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina. A big part of my life is living in partnership with nature. And what that means has evolved over the years mm -hmm. from many years of living close to the earth, even though I grew up in a city, Los Angeles, where you are right now, and many years of having my hands in the earth as a gardener and organic farmer, to a much larger expression of living in partnership with nature that has more to do with how does the recognition that everything carries consciousness uh, inform us and inform how we live and how can we live in a more vital conversation with mm -hmm. the natural world rather than what I see today is that many humans through collective conditioning are kind of distracted by the conditioned conversation in their, in their own heads. It's the bubble of separate self. So mm. there's so much I could share, but I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so fascinating. Uh, the you mentioned everything carries consciousness. Is that a specific um, spiritual path, uh, or is it part of the Buddhism that you practice, or is it a different um, spiritual tradition? I consider myself a bridge teacher, so that even though my home base is Zen Buddhism, I've um, been guided and inspired 
by numerous wisdom streams. And mm -hmm. I'm always interested in the meeting point between mm -hmm. different wisdom traditions. So what I'm talking about, that everything carries consciousness, mm -hmm. would be called animism. Mm -hmm. And animism is evident in both Buddhism, in shamanic teachings, and all earth-based practices. And even when I was a little girl growing up with parents who were in their own spiritual pathways, um, I had a felt deep sense of animism and was encouraged to explore this. And I would say one consequence of that is simply the recognition of how much care we need to and get to bring to everything we do because mm. when we acknowledge everything as alive and caring consciousness, there's no other way we want to show up but with care, with love and in friendship, in respect, in humility. You with me? Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. And, and, and how wonderful that that was encouraged, you know, growing up and especially being so young and recognizing this and your you're you know being encouraged to to look into to lean into that awareness that you had as a child how beautiful well and i'll just note that i suspect for people listening whether that's an active part of your life or maybe just something that you too always recognized as a child it's certainly something the dominant paradigm tends to paint over or keep hidden when we're focused on just what we see and the human domain and our iPhones and screens. Right, and so yeah. to just encourage people to trust what their actual experience has been. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You have to trust what you can, what is beyond what you can see with, with your eyes. Um, and you know, that I, I think leads into the, the, the concept of, of, darkness or endarkment that I, I learned about through your through your book. Um, I was lucky enough to get it to get the, the book through your publisher and, um, you know, in preparation for our meeting today. So, so I was just so grateful to to just learn all this wisdom because I had not, I didn't know about this endarkment. And the, the I guess what what's stood out to me the most is the idea that there is so much goodness and so much um, so much to that the darkness has so much to offer that there is a place of rest and so for me that was just um it was just so beautiful and, and it resonated in a very deep way uh can you tell us a little bit about how you tapped into this energy of, of darkness for yourself and in your, your own relationship with darkness how did that evolve sure well first just a little bit of background there's a few things that inspired this book and one is just a recognition that all the healing that i think is on our plates as humans in this day and age requires us to look at and to acknowledge the unconscious biases or personal and collective conditioning mm -hmm. that is lodged in our minds keeping us from clear seeing keeping us locked in polarization, this versus that, instead of this and that, uh, keeping us locked in mm -hmm. belief systems that are simply not true. Mm -hmm. And one belief system that I feel like is pretty strong is just this assumption that 
um, everything good, positive is put in the category of light and everything negative, sinister, bad, unwanted gets put in the category of dark. And the ramifications of this are huge. I could talk about mm. personally for people in our interpersonal right. relationships, socially, um, we could talk about xenophobia and racism. So it's all tied together. But mm. the thing is, when we really look at what darkness physically, darkness of the night sky, and metaphorically, darkness as the unknown, which is very much what the book is about, the mystery, darkness also as the yin, restorative aspect of nature, as opposed to the yang of light. Think of the difference just in quality of experience between mm -hmm. bright lights as the active yang energy in nature versus the restorative, still, slow, just the experience of resting under the shade of a tree, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that is a starting point. There's so many ways that the modern world has a great focus and emphasis on light and against dark so that productivity rather than restoration is our priority. Uh, the active rather than the receptive, like listening to one another. How about mm -hmm. that? Um, <laughs> the yeah. doing mode that is stressing so many people out and keeping them locked into rather than balance. Uh, there's so many ways we could talk about it. But for me, I've always been a sensitive person. I've always been someone who's um, who really, really values listening and being listened to. I'm certainly more of an introvert than an extrovert, though I've got both. And when I came to meditation, for me, it was really an invitation to realize the power and medicine in the dark, slow, restorative aspect of nature and of being human. And my inquiry took me to recognizing that there are historically so many spiritual traditions across the globe who have recognized darkness as a great instigator of spiritual growth, as an ally, as a benevolent teacher. But in today's world, I see a lot of spiritual bypassing, which means kind of just trying to get mm -hmm. past what we consider dark right. or the unknown, that which we can't label and understand, that which we don't like in order to get to the light. And I see that as, to be honest, a faulty approach. Um, see that there's a completely different approach which has to do with understanding the sacred interplay of light and dark and as a path to wholeness and i'll just add that in today's world collectively we're facing the unknown we're facing more uncertainty than humans have at any other point in history and so to try to push away even that discomfort to try to push away the emotions it stirs, to try to understand rationally our way through this time is not going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons I felt called to offer a teaching 
about luminous darkness and just open people's minds and hearts to another way of perceiving the dark. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and it does, you know, just for me, it just gives such a sense of empowerment, you know, especially like you said, these are difficult times. And, and in the last couple of years, th these times have been referred as dark times, right? So, what, you know, this perspective, it, it gives you a sense of, um, yeah, it's just empowering, you know, it, it gives you a sense of there is, um, there is something here for me, even when times are, are difficult to, to be able to reclaim that. I think it's, it's so powerful. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, yes. And, and when it comes to just your own personal journey of uh, reclaiming this or the endarkment versus enlightenment, how did you navigate this process? Just because it's so ingrained in our, in our culture, you know, how did you, um, I guess, mitigate you know both or be able to how did you hold both right because i think both are part of our journey as, as human beings yes yes well for me i'm going back to the first meditation retreat i did and as a young person uh, the pursuit of enlightenment that saved my life uh endless ever mm -hmm. gratitude for, for that. And so I'm certainly not saying <laughs> endarkenment instead of enlightenment. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. in this day and age, because even ancient teachings need to be um, appropriately applicable to the times we're living in, there's something about the medicine of darkness and endarkenment, is the way I talk about this in the book, that offers um, something more. So enlightenment alongside and darkenment. Mm -hmm. And one thing that perhaps opened the path for me to this was just having a lot of grief in my mm -hmm. younger years, uh, losing mm -hmm. people I loved uh, at a young age, experiencing loss. Anyone who uh, personally experiences loss and death, you know how it transforms you and you know how um, difficult it can be to fit the experience Absolutely. of grief into the sort of social expectations of the dominant paradigm. And mm -hmm. it changes you. And so it both ignited a fire under my belt of awakening <laughs> and giving my life to mm -hmm. what mattered and letting go of what didn't because there's so much presented in today's world that truly doesn't uh, matter. Uh, and at the same time, collective grief, um, growing up in a family of social justice activists and uh, also becoming an environmentalist and just acknowledging mm -hmm. as you open your eyes to the pain of our world, what do we do with this? How do we integrate this into our heart of service? Not how do I try to get away from what I'm deeming dark in order to find some island of peace to hold on to personally? Or in order to find the light which will save me from this? Instead, learning that when we bring uh, that grief, for instance, and when we bring our discomfort with the unknown into the vastness of our hearts, there is a natural alchemy that happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a healing beyond what we think we're capable of that happens. We become a healing force in the world beyond the small self we knew ourselves to be. The lens or myth of separation dissolves. Um, there's many ways I could speak to this, mm-hmm. but I would definitely name grief as a, a sacred guide, which led me towards this. And I would also acknowledge, I'll name one more piece, mm-hmm. which is that the more through sitting meditation, I recognized that I had been so conditioned, like many people have, with the messages that in order to be accepted, in order to succeed, in order to be the right person, in fact, often the phrase the best self is used in order to, uh, you have to do, you have to do more, Mm -hmm. you have to attain, you have to spiritually attain, Mm -hmm. you have to um, even perhaps philosophize, understand. There's a a doing, a mental effort Mm -hmm. that is assumed, that it's required. And meditation is a process not of of doing, but of undoing or emptying, Mm -hmm. of learning to rest in the already existing wholeness. Mm And Mm -hmm. it was as if for me, the more I rested in the metaphorical, though sometimes physical, darkness, the empty, open space that's the backdrop of every moment that I had been taught to run away from, the more I learned to rest there, to stop doing and rest there, everything that I had been looking for was revealed to be already within me (laughs) to already existing wholeness, the already existing wholeness. And that doesn't um, negate uh, the fact that so many of us have experienced traumas and feel uh, cracked in places. It's about a wholeness that allows for all of those cracks as well. It's about a wholeness that heals. But I think the way I want to emphasize it is There is such a collective bias towards doing and productivity and the yang and force power. And in my experience, it's it's exactly the opposite. That's true. And then, of course, the rebalancing of yin and yang that gets to occur within us. So that was kind of a mouthful. Yeah, no, it's what... No, it it resonates with me because, you know, I, I just in my own life, you know, so much has been in the doing, you know, the the learning more, especially when it comes to my own spiritual practice. I always, I, um, at some points in my life, I had this hunger for knowledge and learning and teachers and all this, right? And then uh, I think as with age, what is, what is resonating with me now is this idea that, um, that what I know, what I have, what, you know, it's enough for now, you know, that I can just rest, that I can just go within myself for some of the spiritual answers or for the healing that I'm seeking, you know, so there is, when you said this constant doing, I and so many people that I know are, um, you know, just in that cycle, you know, of, of constantly learning, taking classes, going to seminars, going, sign up for this, sign up for that retreat, you know, just constantly doing, doing, doing. And that's 
exhausting, right? And, and when sometimes, you know, like you said, just being able to just go within, to sit, to rest, to meditate can be just as powerful. And also to learn to meet one another from that mm-hmm. place of receptivity and rest from the darkness mm-hmm. to see one another as we yeah. actually are, rather than through the habit of the discriminating mind, which I affiliate with uh, light and the domain of daylight. Uh, it's just consider for a moment in the domain of daylight, when we're mm-hmm. seeing out through our eyes, we can focus on discriminating mind, focus on details when we're resting in the dark and we don't have access to that, more of our other senses and our attunement and a deep listening can open up. Absolutely. So it's it's not at all an either or, it's an interplay, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. hey, in today's world of bright lights, right. in today's world where um, the earth has never been more artificially lit up, <laughs> we might want to consider mm-hmm. What's being lost when we keep turning away from darkness? Darkness mm. might be an incredible source of medicine. And it mm-hmm. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, I, in your book, I, I did. I read um, the, the part where you talk about just the lighting of the world and, and how you can even see it from space. You know, it's just, I don't know, it was just uh, fascinating at the same time. Um, it, I get, I don't know, sad to, to realize how far we are removed from just our nature, right? Our, our essence. Yes. And just to follow that with some of the details that today, 60% of planet Earth is artificially lit at night, meaning no longer mm-hmm. has a true dark night sky. Ninety. Mm-hmm. 90- nine percent of Europe and the US, which is extraordinary. And I, I talk a bit about what gets lost. Mm-hmm. There are so many uh, plants and animals which are nocturnal rather than diurnal. Every uh, living organism requires both light and dark, not just right. light. And we're so biased. <laughs> so I'm asking us to look at the mind of bias and the mind of bias and hierarchical perception in general how often we don't even realize we're we're holding light up here and dark down here, or this kind of person up here and the other down below, Uh, how often we're seeing in a way that is simply not clear. It's biased. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one one thing that came to mind is just over the years with with just technology, you know, how many of us fall asleep with the TV on and then we wake up in the middle of the night to turn it off. But that already cuts into the darkness that we need i mean we biologically need that darkness for melatonin to you know to be produced um from our brain like our brain needs the darkness right and and so many of us just um or we stay up on our phones computer you know it's just for me it's just fascinating when you realize how how little of this um this nature of that's part of our nature of darkness we get you know, we yes. we don't and get very much that we're dark. organisms. We need to mm-hmm. be recognizing ourselves as part of nature, not separate from it. So just back to what you were saying. Yeah, my husband and I have taken on the practice of when the sun goes down, we don't turn on overhead lights. We light candles and uh, we spend time 
uh, in the evening under the night sky uh, every night before we go to sleep and just acknowledging mm -hmm. the degree to which people's circadian rhythms have been disrupted. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Life. I'm very sensitive, so even just bring a lot of awareness to how much screen time I have and mm -hmm. I don't go on that upon first waking up. I really encourage people if you want to live from center and if you want to live through your earth connection to spend time in the morning, like I just mentioned at night, time not engaging immediately with the human realm. <laughs> yeah. Just time for morning practices, for embodiment, mm -hmm. for being outside if you can, and for connecting with the more than human world. There's the visible and invisible, but again, we tend to be very focused on the visible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I feel that is, you know, going back to what you said earlier, is this sense of avoiding what happens when we're in the dark, right? We are with ourselves, we are with our mind, with our spirit, with our body, you know, it's we, we are you know, from those those moments before we fall asleep, if if we are not, you know, just dozing off to the TV, but if we're actually just trying to go to sleep, those are the moments where we are at more more connected with ourselves, with our with our thoughts, and and I could see, I, you know, I understand, you know, after reading your book, like I was able to see, well, no wonder so many of us just avoid or try to stretch our day activities as long as we can you know we try to have as much time at home I, you know I, I go to sleep pretty late you know and, and I and I was reflecting on that is you know just the wanting to stretch my evenings to get more done and more you know yeah it's so it's just not and, and you know we all know there's like you need to get certain hours of sleep and you know rest and all that but so many of us knowing this, we just don't. And then now this perspective of endarkment and the darkness is like, well, what is it that we're really avoiding, you know? Yes. And so here's some perspective I'd like to offer on that. Uh, think of how that it's easier in the domain of daylight. And as you said, screen time and productivity to affirm the ego, the separate self, mm -hmm. the small self, our limited set of uh, idea of our identity. This is all the domain of ego. It's egocentricity. And until someone's had an experience or multiple experiences of waking up to who they are beyond that and free of that, which is so much more vast and connected and peaceful and, uh, well, boundless, <laughs> until that time, the ego's really terrified of letting go. The ego's terrified of surrendering. So for instance, both going into a silent retreat, which silence is akin to darkness, mm. right? Uh, can be very scary for someone the first time. Uh, or going into, I sometimes do darkness retreats. You spend long periods of time just mm. in darkness. Same thing, it creates, and this is how numerous wisdom traditions have used darkness, uh, almost a a screen where at first the mind of separation, the conditioned mind chatter becomes louder. And then you get mm -hmm. to see it clearly and see through it. Oh, that is not mm -hmm. who I am. That is not the all of me. And mm -hmm. it gets to dissolve and you get to surrender to mm -hmm. in this case I'm talking about 
the the fertile vast mm-hmm. <laughs> darkness the mystery itself you get to surrender to something more and this is a huge element of awakening but there's mm-hmm. so much fear and it's all ego sphere it's not the human heart sphere does that mm-hmm. make sense yeah no absolutely and 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 i i feel that i, I mean there is a lot of that um you mentioned that the fear of the ego and then the fear of the darkness i feel like so many people are just literally afraid of the dark you know or being alone in the dark or or um or just that that sense of being in darkness can be very overwhelming for for some for some folks yes and so along those lines a lot of fear of the unknown a lot of fear of what we can't label oh there's a sensation in my body or a symptom i need to label it as quickly as i can and categorize it so i'm less afraid of it and um, in this day and age, we're facing uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We're facing the intensity of climate change. We're in facing uh, the question, how, how, how are we going to collectively heal the legacy of racism that has gone this far? Like there's this unknown, this invitation to open our hearts to the mystery in a way that is profoundly healing. I can offer is profoundly healing mm-hmm. but until people are willing to question some of the fear of the unknown and instead learn to meet the mystery with respect and openness. Uh, that's the first step that has to happen. Mm-hmm. So I offer some meditations in the book that help people mm-hmm. meet the darkness with reverence instead of fear. Mm-hmm. And also we have to hold with so much compassion those experiences all of us have had that have fed mm-hmm. fear of the unknown, fear of absolutely. Not we have to really honor that while yeah. we do this work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know in your book, you have one meditation that stood out to me is uh, you blindfold or well, at least it's one of the earlier in the earlier chapters, you, you put an eye fold or blindfold yourself or turn the turn off the lights and be in complete darkness. That was very uh, eye opening for me. I, I shared it with the with um, a group that, that I facilitate. And it's just fascinating what came up for me and then hearing what came up for others. Mm-hmm. You know, just being with um, that, that literally with in darkness in in, yeah it's just i encourage everyone to to your book comes out in september right september yeah so i yeah so i encourage everyone to get it i know it's on pre-sale now it is yes it's just fascinating and you know for the folks listening and you know that maybe um you know want to explore this or you know just get a little bit more comfortable with the darkness. What are some, do you have any, any tips or anything that, um, you know, anything that people can do to start becoming familiar or tapping into this medicine of darkness just a little bit? Sure. Well, the simplest thing I could offer is just to begin intentionally, whether it's at night before you go to sleep, or whether it's during the day where maybe you feel safer, but you can just pause for a Mm -hmm. few minutes, taking a sacred pause to close our eyes or to rest in the night sky 
and to just become aware and listeners unless you're doing something active or driving right now you can do this in this moment noticing how just with eyes closed there's a way that as you tune in to the interior landscape some more of your senses open up beyond the visual field it's an invitation to listen a little more deeply it's an invitation to sense a little more deeply and this very very simple practice just reminds us that we can become very dependent on what we see is what we get what we see is reality and beyond that when we enter the journey of endarkenment, hmm. we can tap into a natural capacity to listen, attune, sense, and feel our way through life through an inner compass that has nothing to do with what we see visually. Hmm. You with me so far? Yeah. yeah, the inner compass. That's, that's I, I mean, I think that's that, for, that reminds me of the intuition, right? Reconnecting with your intuition. Well, that's an important term to bring up because yeah. I also associate light and humans attempt to get to the light with an obsession with the rational mind. So again, mm -hmm. let's get away from what we don't know, can't see, can't label, don't understand the mystery. And let's try to rationalize our way to uh, a sense of control or okayness. Uh, life contains the great unknown all the time. And so it doesn't really serve us mm -hmm. to rationalize our way through life. And we learn through endarkenment um, how natural and how powerful for each of us intuition is. But it has been, I would say, collectively diminished a bit and overlooked because the rational mind is, is more popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, th thank you. That was uh, such a beautiful explanation of, of that. And then just the, the, you know, the the tip on how to start. It's it sounds it's just a very gentle way. The way you describe it, that you know, to to connect with with the darkness. And and I encourage the folks listening to try it, to experience it, and and. And, you know, one of the things that, that came, was coming to mind as we were talking is there's this new show on Netflix called Keep Breathing. And it's about it's about a young lady that gets basically, you know, she's in a plane crash. All this is in the intro, so I'm not giving any spoilers. But, you know, and she's stuck in an island and and just watching that and and it's a it's a just I, I for me it's just fascinating because it it's, it forces her to surrender you know her past self because she's in complete um you know just darkness and and in the elements and she has to you know she's in survival mode and and when you were talking about just being the how healing happens you know and it happens when we go into these this space of darkness when we go into surrender when we stop doing, you know, and we just allow. Yes, yes. And also healing can't happen when we're turning away Absolutely. from what we labeled dark. So perhaps there's another domain in the book about 
darkness and emotional intelligence, where we're exploring mm -hmm. how much conditioning there is to label difficult emotions dark and then turn away from them to label difficult experiences dark and then try to bury them mm -hmm. land in the cells of our body. Uh, and instead to learn to turn towards rather than away completely yeah. everything that we've labeled dark, everything. So we mm. can recognize that there is nothing that is inherently mm. dark through that label. So we can recognize that as soon as we turn towards mm. with kindness, any aspect of our human experience, mm. there is room for uh, a healing, but mm. we have to be willing for it. And so this is just really important because mm. there's a lot of people afraid of their own shadows and right. I consider shadow in my experience, uh, hidden sources of great power, mm -hmm. but we've Absolutely. got them with compassion. Yeah. 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 To be, to be that it's, you know, just to, you know, folks who know that it's okay to, to have, to, we all have both, right? We all have, we all carry different parts within us and all parts are welcome. You know, all parts need that compassion, like you said, um, because it doesn't go away. You know, we can try to push things out. We can try to pretend, you know, it's not there. We can, um, we can, but it was still there. Right. And, and it may, we may not see it. We may, it may not be, um, at the at the forefront of our everyday lives, but some some in some way somehow it always finds a way back because it's it hasn't been looked at it right. And all these parts, I, I believe, within us need that acceptance, need to be seen and felt, need to be welcome and, and welcomed. Absolutely, awesome. yeah. Yeah, so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for this. And, you know, before we, we end, uh, can you tell us uh, how we can find you on social media or your website? And then tell us a little bit more about just more details about your book. Sure. So you can find me on my website, which is my full name, DebraEdenToll.com. And there are you can also find me on social media mm -hmm. under Mindful Living Revolution. And there are many offerings. My passion is teaching, and there's an extraordinary global community of people practicing with me. And this ranges from a weekly meditation to a monthly women's group I'll be having soon, a monthly endarkament gathering to all kinds of retreats and also longer trainings. I offer mm. trainings for facilitators and healers and leaders that range from six months to a year. Um, so mm. many opportunities to engage in this work, to deepen your practice this way. And some are in person these days again, and many are online. So there's choice about that. And yes, the book will be out September 27th. And I have a couple other books out as well that people might enjoy checking out. And I think the last thing I'd say is that uh, if people feel inspired by this topic, uh, please reach out. Please visit my website and come join us because it's one thing to talk about this and it's another thing mm -hmm. to go down into our bodies and practice. <laughs> And that's where transformation occurs. 
So, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge or wisdom with us. And so I hope welcome. I hope we can chat again soon, maybe on your next book. <laughs> great. Take good care. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Eden. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us. To stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on, you can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosashettylcsw.com, and I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.